Merry Christmas Life Church. Roger here, the student director. And if you're a regular attender or listener, I hope you enjoyed the morning to be with friends and family or by yourself as you enjoyed the holidays. If you're a new listener, welcome. Thank you so much for listening to uh, this message today. And as you maybe listen to more messages in the future, be sure to hit that subscribe button. If you also would like an opportunity to participate in what God is doing in this community via giving, you can always do that on our Now page. And now for today, we have a message from Pastor Nathan all about uh, the season, Christmas, uh, Jesus, all the things that are important to remember and to reflect on during the Christmas season. So enjoy that, and I'll catch you in a couple minutes. Dear God, we thank you so much for this day that we get to come and we get to worship you, that you are Emmanuel, that you are God with us. Lord, would you prepare our hearts for the message you have in store for us, that we would leave this experience changed. We give you all the honor, the power, and the glory. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us online. And I love a little extra Christmas, even after it's over. And for some of you, it might not actually be over. You might be in process right now of going from one place to another. But I love celebrating the arrival of Jesus Christ. Now, this is actually the last Sunday of the year. And I love talking about what God is doing in my heart. And God is teaching me about the joy of what's to come. Now, before we go any further, I I want you to consider one last Christmas gift, a gift of generosity to this church, to this place. Now, I I know that can be something that may be hard to ask for, but it's not for me. I have been blown away by the generosity of God towards us with what we already have and what we've already been given, many of those things you have given. So I'm grateful, and I celebrate it, but then it becomes really easy for me to say, hey, why don't you go above and beyond, or maybe give for the first time at the end of the year to this church. And the reason why is because this church is focused on giving glory to God and helping people encounter Jesus, and Jesus is what we're celebrating. So consider doing that. You can find all the information on the website, of course. But this is the last Sunday. I'm looking forward to what God's going to do next year and your gift. I've always kind of wanted to feel that anticipation for Christmas that we used to have as a kid. And honestly, sometimes I get there, but not all the time. But my son Theodore is so, so, was so, so, so excited for Christmas this year. He found Spider-Man, right? And, and other kids, they didn't really fixate on certain characters, but Theodore loves Spider-Man, specifically the Miles Morales version, uh, and it is fantastic. So I've enjoyed getting to see that, but this year he knew Christmas was coming. So he's like, I want Spider-Man this and Spider-Man that, and Spider-Man goes, boo, 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 Spider-Man. That's what he says when he shoots web. He says Spider-Man, which is not very Spider-Man kind of deal, and he runs around. Anyway, we got him a giant pillow. It's like this big. That's just the head of Spider-Man. And the look on his face, the joy he experienced, uh, reminded me of what it's like to anticipate something with joy and then to celebrate with it. I mean, I got him a pair of uh, Spider-Man black socks, and he wears them to bed, and we have to wash them and steal them from his room, or he'll wear them every single day. That kind of anticipation is a joy, and I want us to experience that, to have that kind of anticipation for Christmas, but also beyond. I really love it. But often Christmas is over, right? 
You know what I'm talking about? Like when Christmas is over and all of it kind of settles down. What do you do when the wrapping paper is all cleaned up and the, the family goes home and things kind of settle in? It's, it's this kind of in-between zone. You know what I'm talking about? Often, I actually get to feel a little blue, a little down, a little sad. And that's if I was able to celebrate the way that I love to. Sometimes we don't get to do that. Some of us haven't had a Christmas in a very long time. That's what we wanted it to be. Whether because family's not around or, or whatever, we can spend the day after Christmas sometimes in a bit of a funk. You know what I'm talking about? That post-Christmas blues. We have Jesus. We have Jesus. We have this amazing gift, and we celebrate it. But then what? I think it's important for us to pause a moment and realize that that then what happened to two other people as well, uh, Mary and Joseph. What happens when things don't exactly turn out the way you want them to? We don't get a lot of in-between between the moment he's born in Scripture and the moment 30 years later he starts his ministry. But we have a story of when he was a young boy, a young man in some respects when he was 12 years old. And I want to share that with you today. You know, it's probably the only example we have of this time in our Bibles. Well, let's turn to it. I'm going to read Luke 2, starting with verse 40 and 41. And the child grew, that's Jesus, and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. And every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. All right, Jesus is 12 here, and this is exciting to me. I love what's in this text. But they were doing a festival called Passover. It is a festival of anticipation, much like the Advent season we were just in, anticipating this moment when they would be freed. And, and they were freed. What was it all about? Okay, so Passover was a moment that was established while the Jewish people were still enslaved. The Hebrews were enslaved for hundreds of years, and God had come to liberate them in Egypt. And there had been plague after plague after plague to convince the Egyptian pharaoh to let him go, and it wasn't working. So God sent one, one that was terrible, one that was going to take the life of every firstborn child. But he gave a way out for the Jewish people, and then he got them ready to leave, and that's what Passover is about. The idea was prepare food, prepare things, get ready, and then sacrifice a lamb, take that blood, and put it over your doorway. And when the angel of death comes through, your house will be spared. So every year, every male and family was made to, but also encouraged to, and it was part of their tradition, to celebrate Passover. And there was no better place to celebrate Passover than in Jerusalem. I mean, if you really want to celebrate Passover, you got to go to Jerusalem. So Jesus did this, you know, probably 10 times. Maybe he went every single year, but every single year that he could, he went. So this is his 12th year on the planet, and he is at Passover. Can you imagine that? Jesus, a 12-year-old, can you imagine what it would be like for him to have been going to Jerusalem every year and celebrating Passover, to understand the significance of what was happening? Do you think that he knew? I think he knew what it was going to be like and, and who he was, but the symbolism, the fact that one day he would celebrate Passover with his disciples, but it wasn't called Passover that time. We refer to that as the Last Supper, where he broke bread and then went on to become that lamb. 
The lamb that they remembered that they sacrificed with the blood over the doorway, he became the lamb who was sacrificed and slain for all of us, and his blood covers us. Do you think, as a 12-year-old boy, he understood that? I don't know. I, I think he did. But my goodness, what would it be like to travel in that? Now I want to jump back to Mary and Joseph because I, I struggle to, to think about what it would be like to be God in flesh, but I don't struggle to know what it would be like Mary and Joseph because they had kids and I have kids and the travel and the, all the preparation, everything, we're all feeling that. I mean, some of you literally might be driving to another place to celebrate Christmas or listening on the podcast. We understand that. Not just a letdown from the emotions, but the tiredness, the weariness. Mary and Joseph, it seems like they would have traveled 75 miles by foot to get to Jerusalem. 75 miles by foot. That's, if it's an easy path, that's like 25 hours of walking. So this is days of travel, much less carrying all the food and all the changes of clothing and, and, and all that, then getting there and the, the ceremonies and the celebrations and where are we sleeping and all those things. Like Some of you are like, ah, I feel that. I feel that in the moment. But it was accomplished. It was done. And it may have been tiring, but it was done. And they're on their way home. Now, you might be feeling tired, not just from the travel, but or not being able to be with the people you want to. Um, but you might be tired from the conversations. You know, you spend all your energy trying to skirt around political discourse, right? And some of you failed, or you engaged in it, and it was exhausting and difficult, or there was a fight, or something came up, or someone did this, or someone didn't bring what they... You know what I'm talking about. There's this relational turmoil. That might be where you're at right now, and if you're not, great. Don't feel that way. But if you are, you know, I, I want you to know that God has a word for us of hope in the midst of all of this. So on top of the tiredness of the expected, the unexpected happened. Luke 2, 43 through 45. After the festival was over, his parents, as Mary and Joseph, were returning home. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Okay, that, that's not good. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled for a day. Then they began to look for him among their relatives and friends, and when they did not find them, they had to go back to Jerusalem to look for him. I don't know about you, have, have you ever had a moment where you've lost a child? And many of you have. It is not fun. It is terrifying. It is debilitating. It is panic-inducing. That moment might not have come as quickly as you think. Because I used to remember, like, really? Like, Mary and Joseph were bad parents. Like, how do you lose your kid? Like, for a whole day? Come on. It's Jesus. You lost the Messiah. Like, but then as I was reading it, it wasn't that simple. See, what had happened was, um, you know, normally the kids, they, they went with the mothers and they traveled together and they talked and they fellowshiped and the men traveled together and talked. Well, Jesus was 12. So next year he would have grown into adulthood. So in the in-between, he was kind of in between the children and the adults. So, so, so Jesus was probably thought was with Mary and Joseph thought, oh, he must be with Mary and Mary thought he must be with Joseph. And then they figure out he's not there. He's not there. And they're terrified and they're panicked. So a day out, they have to go back a day. And then they had to go into Jerusalem, one of the most populated areas, and try to figure out where their child had been, who has now spent nights there alone. Where is Jesus? Verse 46. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and 
asking them questions. These weren't just simple questions. The inference here is discourse. This is a rabbinical discourse. He's, he's going toe-to-toe with the most learned men, and everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished and said, you go, Jesus, you're amazing. They said, no, where have you been? Look what you're doing to your mother. We've been anxious this entire time. No, I'm sorry, that's, I'm just, they don't talk like that. He said, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Anxiously doesn't capture this well. This, this word here isn't just anxious. It is like pain, feeling great pain and despair at not being able to found, find you. The fear of losing a child, three days. Now, what's next is something that I want you to understand. Something that, oh my gosh, is, is continuing to blow my mind. But in verse 49 through 50, this is what he says. Why were you searching for me? He asks. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Interesting that these are the first words we hear from Jesus. Why were you searching for me? There was no malice in it. There was no condemnation, no shame. It was just saying almost this naive kind of like, well, where did you think I would be? I was with my father in his house, which of course was the temple. But of course they didn't understand. It says that. But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Often I feel that way that I don't understand what Jesus is doing, what he's saying. And in that, I can miss the moments of excitement to see how he's moving. Like maybe miss the moment where I'm watching Jesus do something incredible as, as Mary, as Joseph, miss the joy and the awe of this child who is clearly something more than a child. How often do I feel this way? How often do you feel this way? You don't understand what God is doing in the midst of weariness and worry or letdown. You're just like, what are you doing, God? We have more opportunity now than ever before to be worried, to be concerned. I was just talking to someone the other day and just going, I don't understand what's happening in our schools. I don't understand what's happening in our world. It is bizarre to me. I feel like it is a new thing, a new area, and I don't understand it. That's what it means that Jesus has arrived. Not necessarily the bad, but the good. That Jesus showed up and all the expectations of what we thought was going to happen were turned on their head. A new day, a new dawn. That was what Christmas was about. That was what yesterday was about. It was about that joy. The joy of the arrival of the new day. But living in the new day, in the new world, that, that's harder at times. And, and our emotions can make us feel like we missed it or we're missing something. How do you anticipate the unexpected? How do you do that? How do you truly anticipate the unexpected? You can't. That's the truth. In fact, you have to anticipate it like a child, like a child who doesn't know what's about to happen, but is excited and who trusts God or trusts their parents in this analogy that they want to give them good gifts. And even when it seems like things aren't right, you trust in him. Jesus was in the temple with his father. It's an invitation for us as well. 
The invitation is to the joy of Jesus and to the discovery of what he is doing. A treasure we've talked about to be sought out. That there's treasure in the field. That there's magnet fishing to be done if you've been following us. There's stuff to do and there's the love of Jesus to be experienced in every single day. Just like Theodore is just like knows. He knows. He's getting Spider-Man stuff, right? He knew that. He knew ahead of time. And it didn't dampen his joy. It didn't make him worry. But when he showed up and got that pillow... When you got those socks that you won't take off ever and they're starting to smell, there was anticipation of joy. How do we do that? Well, I think it comes from trust. It comes from trust to anticipate what God is going to do. A week ago, Kevin Butcher came and we sat on the stage and we talked about the love of Jesus Christ. And I think that's the key, that we have a love and trust for our Father, that we, we know him, that, that we can climb onto his chest and we can leave all of our weariness and tiredness with him and he can speak life into us. And he reminded us that we have to get honest about our wounds, that we have to go to the Father and then we gotta go to each other. But that's the second thing, to, in, to be excited about what Jesus is going to do, but the second is to go to the Father's house. Jesus was in the Father's house We need to be in his house with him. We need to experience it together. We need to spend time resting in the presence of God. We need to be constantly reminded of this joy. Last week I said this in our time together, but we forget so easily that the joy of Jesus coming wasn't just so that someday we can go to heaven and someday pain and suffering would cease, but that today... Today we would know the Father. See, going to the Father's house, going to the temple isn't something we have to walk 75 miles to anymore and then only if you're a certain kind of person can you go inside. No, the Father's house is us, that we are temples of the Holy Spirit and that God resides inside of us and that ability to climb into his lap, to understand him, to be comforted by him, to experience him is ours every single day. Though it may be hard at times to connect with him, he's there for whatever you're feeling, whatever you're experiencing, that there is joy to be had in being known by the Father who loves you deeply. No matter how good your father was or wasn't, the Father's love is there for you. So we learn to anticipate the unexpected, but also we learn to go to the Father's house. But the last thing, The last thing I want to share with you is what Mary does in verse 51. Luke 2, 51. Then he went down to Nazareth, that's Jesus, with them and was obedient to them. Meaning, hey, don't do that again. And he said, okay, I won't do that again because he's perfect and he's a good child. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. This is a constant refrain of Mary. Treasured everything in his heart. The joy of Jesus is the discovery of the treasure, but then to hold the treasure. The treasure becomes yours. These little moments where God shows up and does something incredible, they become yours. And they aren't just something that once gives you a good feeling and it's over, but it's treasured. It's held on to. And I think about where Jesus died. Jesus died abandoned for almost exclusively abandoned by all the people he invested in. He was naked, completely naked, which was abhorrent in the Jewish society. He, he was hanging on a cross. It was not noble. It was ugly. And do you know who was there? Women. And one of them 
was Mary. And Mary treasured these moments, these moments where she saw God show up, so much so that as she kept holding on to these and adding to this treasure, as he, she saw him grow and grow and go, gave her the confidence at one point to tell the God of the universe, here's some servants and some water, make it happen in a loving way, with such confidence in his goodness and who he was. But it gave her the confidence in that moment to stand there, which means she could have been persecuted, she could have died, she could have been hurt, and to sit there and say, I don't understand what you're doing right now, Jesus, but I remember the time where I didn't understand what you were doing before, and yet I saw your goodness again and again, so I have to believe you're going to do it again. The treasure of Christmas is one of reminding ourselves again and again that Jesus does the unexpected, that he wants to meet us in the hurt and pain, and he wants to give us something that we hold on to that keeps us going so that if we have another 2020 and another 2021, if we have another tragedy, if we lose another person, if we have another moment where I'm just like, I can't take this anymore, that we have joy to hold on to so that we can keep seeing what God is doing. My heart for you is that you allow yourself to be surprised by Jesus. That you go to the Father's house and pray and connect with God daily. And that when he shows you these moments, these moments of astonishment, that you learn to love him more and gain the strength for what needs to come. So anticipation doesn't stop at the end of Advent. It doesn't stop on Christmas Day. Anticipation actually restarts and begins in a new way as you anticipate the next thing that God is going to do. It has been a wonderful year with you. It has been a hard year with you. But it's a year that I will treasure in my heart. And I pray that you will treasure it as well as we step into this new adventure of a 10-year vision that's coming in February, but also a new year this new adventure where we can worship God in spirit and truth. As we finish, I want to give you an opportunity to follow Jesus, and then we're going to sing. And the song is about, again, declaring, going and telling everyone about the joy that we have found because it isn't just a treasure for us, but a treasure for others. And maybe you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior. And even if you're listening to this weeks later, it's not the day after Christmas. Maybe it's in January or years from now. I don't know. I do know that God is timeless and that he loves you. And I want to encourage you to know him and accept this gift of Jesus Christ, the person who will guide you to the Father, to the Father's house. If you're able to, close your eyes. Maybe open your hands as if you're going to receive a gift from God. I pray that God in this moment would speak to you no matter who you are, and communicate his love. If you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, you can say something along these lines, but just talk to him, out loud or in your heart, wherever you're at. Maybe you talk to someone who's with you who knows Jesus, and you talk to them about it, but give your life to this child who became a sacrifice. Give your life to this lamb that was slain the one who covers you and keeps you from the consequences of death and sin, but also gives you connection to the Father who loves you. You can do something like this. 
God, I need someone to rescue me. I can't overcome the brokenness in my life. Jesus Christ was sent so that I might know you again. So today I lay down my own ways and I pick up the way, the way of Jesus Christ, the way of the Savior and the Rescuer of my soul. Make me new, make me whole, give me a new life and I will keep looking for the joy of what you're doing in every moment of every day for the rest of eternity. What a wonderful message. I hope that was a little bit of a reminder of the hope and the joy of Christ and what he brings during the Christmas season to reflect on for the rest of the day. I hope you have uh, not just a Merry Christmas, but a, a fantastic week. If you need prayer for anything, anything at all, please let us know. You can let us know via the Now page. You can reach out to one of us to route with the pastors directly. Uh, we're here for you. This is a community where you belong, wherever you are. So I hope you have a great week, and we will talk to you next week.